You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What's going up on everybody? Uh, Johnny Heller coming at you with another episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. Last week we started a new series where uh, me and Ty are going to go back and look at each individual season during the rebuild and talk about what we remember most from those seasons, some of the highlights and everything. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Ty Daubert. Ty, what's going on? Not much. I'm ready to talk some 2013 Phillies with you on this episode. That was a kind of weird year. It, it felt like more happened in, in 2012, the, the season that we talked about last week, but still some very interesting things that went on. I think they were still kind of convincing themselves that they were good when they were clearly not good. They they took way too long to really sell off the the last kind of core with, with Utley and, and Rollins and Howard and, and everyone. They just they stuck around too long. They were convinced that they could, you know, get the magic back and be a good team again and everybody was just a little bit too old and not not productive enough but yeah this will this will be a fun fun year to talk about and i'm excited to do so yeah so like you said they i i do remember going into that season you know there was some thought this is still a a a pretty talented roster sure they took a step back in in 2012 but you know some people thought that maybe they could uh, come back, win 90 games, make the playoffs, just because while guys were still were getting older, there was still a lot of talent. And obviously that didn't happen. Um, and, you know, they hung around for a while. I think they were like 49 and 48 at one point. But um, the last third of the season, they really took a dive. Um, so before we get into uh, the moments we remember, uh, I'm just going to start off with a, a quick Little piece of tr- uh, uh, trivia. I want to see if you can get this tie. Um, so 2013. This is like, like I think one of the things we know about all of the years. You know, 2012 through 2017. There were just a ton of different guys the Phillies brought in who were maybe not the best baseball players, but we remember all of them um, or most of them. So I want to see if you can name the eight players that played at least a game of center field in 2013 wow. for the Phillies. Oh, wow. This is hard. Um, all right, let's try it. Revere. Yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So Revere did Mayberry. Yep. Okay. Revere Mayberry did Wells. Yep. Revere Mayberry Wells. Oh my goodness. Who else was even on the team? <laughs> Um, uh, hmm. Give me a second. So I have Revere, Mayberry, Wells. Yeah. Galvis? Nope. Oh, he played. He played left. He played I left. That. Um, I give up, man. All right. <laughs> I give up. All right. So Ben Revere, Casper Wells, uh, John Mayberry Jr., Michael Martinez. Oh, how could I forget? Roger Bernardina. Yo, I I forgot they traded for him. Here's, he made here's, it, he made he robbed, I forgot the year. I guess yeah, he played. I thought it yeah. was 14. Didn't he rob a home run at Citizens Bank Park like right out of the so, bushes? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, this one, kind of along the same lines of Galvis, something everyone forgets. When the Phillies Hernandez. first caught up Cesar Hernandez, Hernandez, he played like 30 games in center field. He yeah, I remember they they sent him to Double A to figure out how to play center field at one point. I rem- I forgot about that. Yeah, because because Ben Revere broke his foot. He he fouled a ball off his foot, I think, in uh, July, and then was out for the season. So when they called up Hernandez in the beginning of September, he played center field for the rest of the season. And then the last two guys played only, I think, in one game each. Ezekiel Carrera. Ezekiel Carrera, yeah. They and uh, they they got rid of Ender Inciarte to pick up Carrera, I believe, and then they didn't even keep him. And yeah. Inciarte turned into a good player. Yeah, and then Lance Nix played a game in center field. So Nice, nice. Yeah, that's a, a pretty good list we got there. Um, I just thought that was interesting. I was I was on Baseball Reference earlier, and it kind of shook me to see all those guys. Um, but anyways, now we can kind of dive in uh, to some of the moments we remember the most. So, Ty, why don't you start us off? All righty, I'll start us off. This was, I believe, the opening series of the season against the Royals. It was a, a matchup, a rematch of the 1980. 1980- World Series. I'm pretty sure Mike Schmidt and George Brett threw out first pitches. I'm pretty sure of that. And in, I think this was the second game of the season. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. It was definitely the first season or first series. But the it Philly, was well, it was the it was the first home series. So it was this it was the, like the fifth game of the season. I think. Got you, got yeah. you. So it was first home series uh, rematch of. The 1980 World Series, Phillies Royals, and with in the ninth inning, bases loaded, down two, I believe. Kevin Franzen comes up and he shoots a double into the right center gap to the wall. Three runs come around to score, and the Phillies walked it off in a pretty epic way. So that was a that was a cool cool moment early on in the season. Uh, for the Phillies to make a, a comeback. And I, you just posted the video of this for your walk-off thread, uh, Kevin Franson, with the really, really cool walk-off for the Phillies there. Yeah, um, you, you've said this to me before, and I, I don't remember if it was on last week's episode or just when we were, we were talking about uh, the 2012 and 2013 team, but you mentioned that if, if Franson was on one of those 07, 08, 09 teams, he would be remembered as a folk hero because he really did have some some really solid moments, and he was just a good player, a, a really good role player, um, guy off the bench, and... Um, and he had a bunch of pine tar in his helmet. Yes, he did have a lot of pine tar in his helmet. So that's that's what that's what you like. You like those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you got? What do you got for us with the next all right. one? All right. So this is this is my favorite. Uh, like the when I think of the rebuild Phillies, this is the moment I remember the most. Um, so this was in May. Um, Phillies Reds. So. The Phillies were down one heading into the to the bottom of the ninth. And, you know, in 2012, 2013, Aroldis Chapman was – he was a revelation. He was the best closer in the game. He was – I mean, he threw 106. Like, he was just unreal. Um, no one was beating him. So, you know, Aroldis Chapman's coming into the game. The Phillies have Delman Young, Eric Kratz, and Freddie Galvis do up. So it's – you know, you think the game's over. Um, so 
Delmion walks and uh, Cliff Lee comes in to pinch run for him, and then he gets picked off. <laughs> like instantly, <laughs> instantly. Yeah. Was... As soon as Chapman lifted his leg, uh, <laughs> Cliff Lee, it looked like, it looked like I guess he took this big secondary and Chapman just threw over. He just threw yeah. right over to first, yeah. and Lee took off, and he got in a rundown for half a second. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I think it was Wheels on the on the color commentary, and he was just like, "Where's he going? Yeah. Like, like yeah. what is Cliff Lee doing?" Yeah. Um, you know, it wouldn't be the last time that a Phillies pitcher, uh, you know, messed up on the on the base paths to cost the Phillies. Obviously, this one didn't cost the Phillies, but I don't know if you remember. I think Velasquez. Velasquez did in yeah. 2018. I forget exactly what happened, but something similar, and he came into pinch run, and then he was he represented the tying run and immediately got thrown out doing something. Yeah, do you remember even last year for the Cardinals, Flaherty had some mess ups on the bases. Yeah. Maybe teams should stop doing that. Yes, I, or, I or think... they should, or they should have their pitchers go through some more base running coaching. True, because they're well, definitely fat. They're faster than the people they come in for, but it seems like they maybe don't know what they're doing. Right. Yeah, that's fair. So, anyways, back to this game. So, there's one out. Eric Kratz, he homers off of Chapman, and everyone's like, so this ties the game, and everyone's like, oh, come on. Why did why did Lee have to get thrown out? Yeah, the, uh, I remember the camera panned to Cliff Lee in the dugout, yeah. <laughs> staring straight forward. Yeah. He's like, it's yeah. like, wow, I really, I really did it this time. Yeah. And then Freddie Galvis comes up and just hits one it's a, a line drive you can't really tell if it's fair or foul you can't tell if it's going to get out and it just just gets over the wall walk off home run uh i think freddie galvis as much as he wasn't you know a great player he a lot of people liked him as a philly because he did have a lot of these moments where he came came up through in these kinds of situations and this was i think the the really the first time uh we saw it so uh, yeah, Freddie Galvis and Eric Kratz back to back against Aroldis Chapman to win the game. Just yeah. a just an amazing, a, a yeah. very memorable moment. Chapman was like at that point, like you said, he was still with the Reds, and he just he was so good. He threw so hard, and the Phillies just they took him back to back. It's ridiculous. It doesn't even seem real. Freddie no. Galvis, Freddie Galvis took him deep. Like what even, what even was that? Yeah, it was, it was a crazy moment. And um, that home run, that home run got out in like, in like yeah. a tenth of a second. He, <laughs> it was a line drive, and like you said, it barely cleared the wall. It was just hooking and stayed right inside the pole and went right over the fence. It was literally the this small section of right down the left field line at Citizens Bank Park where right. there's there's no, no seats. Yeah. There's no seats. Yeah. What a yeah. That's definitely kind of the. Like I a, wouldn't say I wouldn't say the signature moment of the season. Uh, we'll talk about that next uh what i define as the you know the main point of this season but that's up there that that's kind of the one single moment that that people think about but what i'm going to talk about next is probably uh what people remember most all right yeah i think go ahead let's hear it yeah so dominic brown's may is gonna have to be what i go with for what kind of represents this season the most he was un he was unreal 
in May for the Phillies. Like it was, it was ridiculous. He hit 12 home runs in that month. He was still good in June, but uh, nothing like May of 2013. He, for a while, he was the top prospect in the Phillies system. One of the top prospects in all of baseball for a while. And he had made his debut, I think two years prior. Um, but he, he was never a full-time starter or anything like that in, until 2013. And he started off kind of slow. And then in May, uh, that month, like I said, 12 home runs, 25 RBI, uh, RBIs. I don't know why I said RBI. People say RBI. They, that you say it wrong. If you do that, um, I, I say RBI sometimes. RBIs is better. Anyway, well, yeah. he had a 991 OPS. Uh, but listen to this. So his batting average was 303, but his on base was also <laughs> 303. He did not walk a single yeah. single time in May, and his slugging percentage was 688. It was just he was ridiculous, and I think people felt that the superstar that had been promised in Dominic Brown was kind of he was there and he was an all-star that year but it he never replicated anything like that like i said june was still good six six home runs uh 884 ops but nothing like nothing like may of 2013 for dominic brown uh you know he stuck around for for a little while but nothing nothing ever like that season yeah i mean that was that was, I think, like you said, people watched that that stretch and thought, "Wow, like this guy is for real." And then, obviously, he was he was an all star that year, and then was never able to come close to. He hit ten home runs in 2014. Didn't Crazy. he? Didn't you say he hit twelve in May? He hit twelve in May of 2013. And he hit, he hit fifteen home runs over the next two seasons. Like that is crazy. Um, and I think. You know, to be not like, let's say Dominic Brown, it turned out he was that great player or like at least a really good player. He didn't fit the timeline. Right. What would it have? I mean, sure. Maybe they could have uh, traded, traded him. him for for something. But, you know, the the difference between the Phillies being bad in, in 2013, 14, 15 and them being good isn't wasn't just Dominic Brown figuring it out um, yeah that that's very true but at this point he's still only 32 and if he was an actual star type of player i think he'd still he's younger than andrew mccutcheon right yeah that's true so, that's that's fair i mean i'm not i'm not saying that like it doesn't matter at all um just like giving it context because i do think people say oh you know if dominic brown had been good things would have been different they'd be a bad team with one good player right they'd be like like some of these angels years where they had mike trout and they anything all right yeah i mean i think yeah dominic brown also just gets uh blamed for a lot and he's associated with all of the things that went wrong but i mean it was it was more than dominic brown it was the whole they just did not groom any prospects or anything but yeah, uh, in any event, we can uh, move on because I think people never want to hear Dominic Brown's name again, which isn't necessarily fair. But we've talked about him for a little while, so for sure. 
Uh, I tweeted the, the next moment. I tweeted about it yesterday because um, it's just, you know, it's this had the potential to be the Wilson Valdez game part two. Uh, and it just it worked out the complete opposite way. Um, so look, give a little context. This is Phillies Diamondbacks. It's towards the end of August, the Phillies are coming off of three consecutive walk-offs. So they're, they're riding a little momentum. Um, I mean, they're out of it at this point, but still uh, riding a little momentum. So this game heads into extras tied seven, seven. I mean the Phillies, so the Phillies were down, I think they were down seven, one at one point, they scored two runs in the six, four runs in the eighth, tied up seven, seven going into the extras. And then for seven innings, there was just nothing. Uh, no one scored at all. Uh, let's see who pit. Tyler Cloyd pitched five scoreless innings um, for the Phillies to, to eat up a lot of those um, in the extras. And so, you know, heading into the 18th, scoreless or tied up still. And it, it felt a little bit like, like the Wilson Valdez game. And then in comes... Casper Wells to pitch the 18th. Um, now, obviously, the Wilson Valdez game, Valdez pitched a scoreless, clean inning um, and became a folk hero. Uh, it didn't work out as well for Wells. He gave up five runs in two thirds of an inning and had to be relieved by John McDonald. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was just, it was not a great performance. And then, so uh, Phillies obviously lost this game. But uh, my, maybe my favorite thing from this game is, is the f- tweet from at Phillies when Cl- Wells came in. It's, no, you are not seeing a ghost. It's Casper Wells pitching the 18th. Things are getting weird at Citizens Bank Park. I don't know. It's just... I think, I think the Wilson Valdez game, uh, you know, him... What year was that? 2011? 11. It was 11, yeah. So that was 2011. I was 10 or 11 years old when that happened. And I guess because I was in some of my formative years, I had this expectation that when p- position players pitched, like it was supposed to go well and everything would have this kind of <laughs> storybook ending. And then now for the rest of my life, when I see position players come in and get shelled like Casper Wells did, it's not like, oh, that makes sense he's not a pitcher it's like oh man what are you doing like <laughs> like what are you, like what are you doing Wilson Valdez got a win what yeah. how did you, how did you not do well and that shouldn't be that should not be the case but it is for some reason yeah uh you know people gave uh like people hated on Kapler I think because he pitched position players a decent amount um, and I think his his reasoning was pretty valid in that you know if the Phillies are down ten one, sure it's like they could come back but they won't like that they're not going to come back. Why are you going to waste arms now when you can uh, use them tomorrow or the next day? So he used them maybe at a higher rate, but it doesn't mean that the guys before Kapler didn't pitch position players. Uh, they did quite often actually. Uh, well, not quite often, but a decent amount. I mean. Obviously, there was the Frank Core game. In, oh my God! Was that was that Sandberg or was that McCannon? That was Sandberg. Yeah, that, that was that had to be Sandberg. That one was not a. Uh, I just remember Chase Utley getting really mad. Yeah, we'll talk we'll talk about that one in our 
in our yeah. episode for that for that season. But that one was bad. Yeah. I mean, there is some sort I mean, obviously Cut Four has its bit with position players pitching and I I enjoy it. Like, even when it's, you know, the team's down thirteen runs and it doesn't matter. It's still, you know, interesting to watch. I remember in twenty eighteen, uh Pablo Sand it was it was like in the middle of May, maybe the beginning of May, Pablo Sandoval pitched a one, two, three, ninth inning. And I went back and looked at Kenley Jansen's game logs, and he had yet to throw a, a one, two, three, ninth inning. So it was funny just to like say, oh, Pablo Sandoval actually has more one, two, three innings than uh, Kenley Jansen this year. Just like stuff like that. Like, I don't yeah, know. position players pitching. I don't know why people get upset about it because it's funny. Yeah, it is. It is fun to watch for sure. It's interesting. Yeah. All right, am I up? Am I up next? Yeah, you got it. All right, what am I going to go with here? Uh, I'm going to go with the Ben Revere catch on Jackie Robinson Day. Uh, Cliff Lee was pitching, and I believe it was Todd Frazier hit a ball out to center field that Revere, he maybe he got a bad jump on it, but he was in a full sprint, made a diving catch, quick gets up, fires to the cutoff. They throw it to first, and they double off Jay Bruce. It was just an awesome catch. It was all over SportsCenter and everything like that. Uh, one of the one of the main highlights of that season. And although Revere, he, uh, he didn't have a good arm and he didn't take great routes or anything, uh, so he wasn't a great outfielder. But his speed was definitely fun to watch and uh, something something cool to watch that season. Yeah, Ben Revere is one of the like. If Ben Revere played in like the 1960s, he would be well, maybe not the 60s, maybe like the 1910s. He would be considered like one of the best players in baseball <laughs> because he didn't walk. He just he hit just, it everywhere just, and ran. I mean, he's I think he's like one of the worst 300 hitters I've ever seen. Uh, but like you know, he just he hits everything. Um, he's fast. Uh, you know, he does not have one of the I wouldn't say he has one of the best arms I've ever seen for an outfielder. Uh in fact quite the opposite. But he, he was a pretty good center fielder in that he was rangy and you know, a lot of people didn't like Ben Revere. I, I enjoyed watching Ben Revere. He was fine. He was yeah, he was you know, if they were going to to rebuild and uh you know, they were gonna have bad players. He was somebody who who was not a good player, but was enjoyable enough to watch. Kind of like, kind of like Galvis, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people were also mad when they they traded because they traded Vance Worley for Revere. And yeah. At that time, Vance like people still thought Vance Worley was pretty good. Um, and then you know he went to Minnesota and what became one of the worst pitchers in baseball. And I think he, he did revive his career a little bit at one point, but that first season, Worley was like really bad. Uh, let me see. Yeah. 2013 Minnesota, he had a 7.21 ERA. He was just not good. Worley uh, was kind of ridiculously good. His rookie season in 2011 though. Yeah, he was, he, first, he was really he first, good. He first got called up in 2010, made some starts, but in 2011, 20, 21 starts, 25 games, 3.01 ERA. Yeah, like, finished third for rookie of the year voting. He was who won it that year? Um, uh, 2011. Let me see. 
Um, sorry, give me one second. Uh, Kimbrel, Kimbrel, and Freeman were. Worley should have got it over a closer, over a one inning closer. That that type of starting pitching production. Come on. Sure. I don't, I don't know maybe. if I mean that. Yeah. Gosh, looking at the other names on this list: fourth, Wilson Ramos. All right. And then fifth, Josh. Do you remember Josh Colmenter? Oh my, yeah. He's the one who like threw like threw straight it. over the yeah, top. Yeah, straight over the top, like almost, almost like he was a left-handed righty. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like it was coming yeah, from the it other side. Ridiculous. Uh, sixth, Danny Espinosa. He had some good years for the yeah, Nationals. He did. He was alright. And then seventh, Darwin Barney. Yeah, he was on the Cubs, right? Yeah, he was on the Cubs, and then went to the. Uh, Blue Jays at one point, I think. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's right. always it's always fun to look back at the names. Um, yeah, for sure. You got to see where those guys end up. Um, yeah, so one thing we talked about this right before we started recording. So we wanted to talk about John Lannon, just the fact that he played for the Phillies. Um, so this was the year that John Lannon was a Philly, obviously in 2007. Uh, he got he got ejected from his major league debut when he hit Chase Utley in the hand in the hand right and broke his hand. He pegged Chase Utley and Ryan Howard yes. like back to back. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was the first inning. And yeah, I mean, Chase yeah, it it would have it. W- I think it was the first inning of his major league debut. Yeah, yeah. he did he did break Utley's hand. And Utley was out for a while, so they had to Phil's go get fan. Gucci, right? Yep. And so Phillies fans, not sorry. It was the it was the fifth inning of his major inning. league okay. debut. But nonetheless, Let's talk about his major league debut. I do not believe he was trying to hit them on purpose. <laughs> yeah, but he did, and he got ejected. And Phillies fans were not happy because, you know, Phillies were good that year, and Utley was sidelined for a while. Uh, but anyways, the Phillies brought him in. He wasn't great. Uh, he had a 5.33 ERA and 14 starts, and yeah, I mean, there's what what else is there to say about John Lannon's stint with the Phillies? He gives me that he gives me big Vargas vibes. Yeah, well, all right, Lannon. It's that like old kind of oddball lefty that is I don't know doesn't even seem like a real person. They're like they're just kind of like you just talk about these people. Yeah, and they don't seem <laughs> real when you look back. John Lennon, another another one of several players. It seems like there are just a huge list of these players that played for at least two NL East teams. Lennon played for three. He actually played for the Mets. He made three starts for the Mets the next season. Um, or no, he didn't start any games. He just appeared in in five games. Sorry, uh, but I mean, I feel like there are so many of these guys who bounce from the Nationals to the Phillies or the Phillies to the Mets or I don't know. Yeah, like, you're right. There there's a ton of them. Jose Bautista did it in like one season. <laughs> he played for everyone. It, I always like those players. Yeah. The ones that bounce around the NL East. They're always Frank Corey even. Yeah, I mean Wilson Ramos went from even those guys who play for yeah, he played for three teams. Kevin uh, Franzen played for the Nationals too. Chris Coast went to the Nationals, and Brian Schneider went from the Nationals to the Phillies. Uh, and Andy was on the Mets, right? Yeah, Astrubal Cabrera has played for the Nats, Mets, and Phillies. Wow. Billy Wat, 
Billy Wagner played for the Mets and the Phillies. There's just, like, I feel like, I don't know if it's like this in every division. I just feel like it's particularly odd in the NL East. Like, everyone just plays for all these teams. Yeah, yeah. That's, it does feel that way. And I don't know if it's actually real, but John Lennon's part of the group. He is part of the group. So, uh, yeah, do you have anything else? Yeah. Do you have anything else, or is this kind of going to be our last one? Um, It can be our last. I have I have one quick one I'll mention, but All right. we're starting to wrap up. Yeah. All right, last, last one I have for you. This is Charlie Manuel getting fired at the end of this season. Um, so he got his thousandth win. They lost some more games, and then he got fired. And there was a a emotion an emotional press conference with Manuel and Ruben Amaro Jr. Uh, it seemed like it was one of the tougher things that Amaro Jr. probably had to do in his time as GM. And I remember a lot of the players they felt like it was their fault because somebody that they you know they had so much success under Charlie Manuel uh, and then when it went away, they felt like it was their fault that he got fired. Uh, and it, it probably, it was nobody's fault that he got fired. Things just didn't work out. If anything, it was the front office's fault for yeah. trying to, for trying to make this team work longer than it was going to. And they just weren't very good. And they, they got rid of them. I think he even said flat out at one point, there were he was he was asked like do you think you guys were actually good enough to win games and he said he basically said no like we didn't have we didn't have the pieces to win so yeah. and i think i agree with him there uh but that was kind of kind of the signal that they were moving into a a new era of phillies baseball the most the winningest most beloved manager in franchise history got fired midseason yeah. Enter Ryan Sandberg. Uh, Ryan Sandberg, I think they they hired him knowing he would be the next manager of the Phillies. I think. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Or at least they had an idea. They brought him in to to manage in the Phillies minor leagues, and then brought him up to the major league staff. And I think they had a good idea that they yeah, wanted he was, him to be their next manager. He was the contingency. Like they they knew, unless obviously the Phillies were winning, which maybe would have kept. Uh, manual around but that didn't happen and they moved to Sandberg which did not did not work out as as well as they had hoped um so it did not we'll we'll talk more about that on the next episode and definitely 2014 and the one after 2015 but yeah Ryan Sandberg came in at the end of 2013 did not really work out no I mean yeah it's been a a few different managers and in Philly since uh, Charlie Manuel was was fired. But anyways, uh, the last thing, I really should have mentioned this one earlier uh, when I talked about the Galvis walk-off against Chapman. Uh, He had another walk-off home run that season, and this one was from the left side of the plate uh, in September against the Braves off of Freddy Garcia. Um, So a couple things. Like I said, Freddy Galvis was one of the more I think clutch players of the Phillies rebuild. Uh, I tweeted this out the other day. Uh, if you look at all of the the walk-offs from the past decade, Brian Howard has the most, uh, and Freddie Galvis has the second most, uh, which is pretty interesting. Uh, 
Um, and yeah, you hit a walk-off home run against Freddie Garcia, and I don't know how many times has a Freddie hit a walk-off homer against a Freddie. Some would argue maybe never. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe never. Who knows? Possibly possibly never. Yeah. Uh, one more. I just want to mention really quick. Sure. I probably I probably should have mentioned this when we talked about the first Franzen walk-off. But there was one where the Phillies were up something like seven to one, and they blew they blew the lead. I think Papelbon had to do with that, uh, who we talked about last episode, who he somehow became an underrated Philly. Yeah. Um, but they blew the game. I I feel like, or I'll mention that later. Uh, so they blew the game seven seven. Uh, it's a day game, but Kevin Franzen comes up. And hits an absolute bomb to left field. And as soon as he hit it, he just looked over to the dugout and celebrated because he just knew he got all of it. He didn't wait for it to land. He just he knew it was a bomb. So they walked it off 187. And then the this was an extreme Papelbon move. I feel like he did this a bunch after he would blow a game and the Phillies would walk it off. He'd like celebrate super hard with the guy who yeah. hit the walk off and he'd like thank them and hug them and stuff. <laughs> he'd be like so relieved that they still won the game even though he blew the save. He I I feel like there's a bunch of yeah memories he, in the back of my mind of him doing that. Yeah, he blew the in the the Galvis walk off I was just talking about. Papelbon blew that save. Um so yeah, I think probably the same thing. He probably celebrated super hard. He was all he was all about it. Yeah. Cliff, Cliff Lee celebrated super hard in the the Galvis the first Galvis walk off the one off chat. <laughs> yeah. he, he was happy he was happy about that one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anything else from the 2013 season? Mm, not off the top of my head. I think we covered most of the the key moments. Cool. Yeah. So. Or one uh, more thing. One more thing yeah. I want to mention. Sure. One more thing. Do everyone do yourself a favor and look up some Lance Nick's defensive highlights. <laughs> just throughout his career doing some research for this episode he he made some web gems in his career like just go look it up he had some nice plays yeah so lance nicks everybody uh while you're staying home and and staying safe watch some lance nicks uh so um that's it for today thanks to everyone for listening um and we'll have another episode for next week for the 2014 Phils, so uh, talk to everyone next week. You can listen to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services.